Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Throughout our show, we'll bring on some experts, talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Heather McNair. I'm Alex Mastriani, and we're happy you're here. Welcome back to another episode of the Member Engagement Show. So Alex, I know life has changed a lot for all of us over the last year with the pandemic, working from home, uh, you know, obviously some of it, we're missing some stuff and things are starting to come back, which is exciting. Um, but there have definitely been silver linings to all of this. Some surprising. Um what what has been a silver lining for you? What has been the like surprising thing that's come out of this for you? I would say I've really just appreciated things slowing down a little bit at home, um, especially with my kids, because every morning typically is like a crazy rush to get all of us up and out the door and you know, to school or daycare or into the office. And it's been nice to, to, to slow things down a little bit in terms of, all right, we're home today. So if you want to stay in your pajamas all day, okay, great. I'm not going to fight to get you dressed. Um, if, if we, you know, getting to see them throughout the day, um, weekends, even being a little bit slower, I feel like, I'm, I always say this whenever I take a day off um, around a weekend and I have a three-day weekend that a three-day weekend is just great because it's the perfect amount of time to be productive, but also do fun things with the family. Um, but because, you know, we were at home more last year than we had been before, um, you know, it wasn't like we were saving everything for the weekend like we had been. Um, so, so things were, life was just a little bit slower, which was nice. Um, I'd say that was probably the silver lining for me. But what about you? Um, yeah, similarly, you know, it's funny as you were talking. I'm remembering this uh, comic cartoon that I saw this drawing of it. It was it was talking about the, uh, the the commute in the morning, and it was a parent walking down the hallway, stepping over all these toys <laughs> and laundry and everything. Oh, yeah. And that's yes, I have this vision. <laughs> um, yeah, similarly, I. Um, I used to travel a ton uh, for my role at Higher Logic, and uh, and and I love to travel. I love going to other cities. You know, obviously, I was coming up to Saratoga Springs to see you guys, and um, and I you know I miss that so much. Um, but I was living out of a suitcase probably at least fifty percent of the time, and being able to be home all the time has really been incredible. And uh, and last summer, kind of as a result of that, I was able to work in my garden. Um, half of my front yard is actually a flower bed. Um, but the beginning of last summer, it was um, a weed bed, like <laughs> weeds. Um, and yes. uh, yeah, so um, so yeah, so by the end of last summer, it was a you know, beautiful flowers and everything. And I having the opportunity to do that was really incredible and very enriching to my soul um, and really got me through the summer. So I love that. Yeah, everyone was making spending more time making their house um, more comfortable, more more themselves, like just putting more time into it in, in ways that you probably didn't have the time to do before because you were always on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there were silver linings uh, for us at work as well um, and in the industry. And, uh, you know, I've talked before about how how we saw, 
uh, on the community side, all of a sudden, you know, we get alerts that come through when we see spikes in activity um, on the uh, on our servers, um, because sometimes it will indicate if um, if you know there are bots, you know, activity, you know, ne- nefarious activity going on, and. Um, and we started seeing these huge spikes back in the middle of March when everyone went into lockdown, started working from home. And it turns out it was just everyone moving things from in-person environments to virtual environments. And the organizations that had online communities were able to just really seamlessly make that transition. Um, and out of that, we've we've seen some really creative applications of online community and transitioning you know, in-person education events over to online formats and that type of thing, um, appealing to younger audiences, which they didn't even intend to do. Um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they've, you know, they're in the right format for it. And so they're growing their younger membership. Um, and so I think like there really have been some silver linings in the industry that came out of this whole thing. Uh, and I know you've seen that as well on the email side. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's safe to say when we're talking work-related or even in our personal lives, uh, email is a big part of our lives. Uh, uh, how many, for how many people, I don't even want to know the stat, like that the first thing that they do when they wake up in the morning is look at their phone and check their emails. Um, or the last thing they do before they go to bed at night. Um, and you know, prior to HireLogic, I worked at Informs. So email marketing has always been near and dear to my heart for, well, for the past 10 years or so. And it is always really surprising to me when people say things like, email is dead. Um, because <laughs> if you look at my inbox, email is alive and well. And I yes. think that a lot of people would would agree with that. We're getting more emails than ever before. And some marketers, their email strategies have really evolved into, you know, adding layers of personalization and um, taking in, you know, personal preferences for their subscribers and trying to make it a great experience while, you know, others might not have done that and it's gotten worse for for other folks. But I'm so excited today uh, to have our guest, Amanda DeLuke, my colleague and friend here at Higher Logic, and she's a deliverability analyst. And when I think about people who are passionate about their jobs, Amanda is one of those people who comes to mind because, you know, I've worked with her for so many years now. And as you probably know, if you send email of any kind, that deliverability laws, privacy, security, that it's changing so fast, so quickly. So many things are happening, you know, nationally, internationally that folks need to keep in mind. And she's such a huge resource for our customers. So I'm excited that today she gets to share some of her wisdom with all of our listeners. So welcome, Amanda. Can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do here at Higher Logic? Hi, Alex. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Um, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> a little bit about me, you know, I, I'm actually a twin mom, so I have identical twin boys at home, and I'm also an avid cyclist. <laughs> and so it's funny, like the fir- I'd say like the first four years of, of my boys' lives were mixing the two together by having them in the bike trailer and taking them along with me. So I'm like getting my training in, and also the boys are getting some fresh air. Um, so that's just like a little bit of background about me. But just regarding Higher Logic, I'm a deliverability analyst. I've been with Higher Logic almost seven years. Um, I 
So a little bit what I do here is I manage mail configurations across our platform. So there's like 12 mail servers that I'm kind of watching. Um, also, you know, I'm in charge of managing, you know, customer vetting and anti-abuse on our platform. Um, also, I provide best sender practices. I work with email authentication being SPF, DKIM, and DMARC. Um, working on you know major deliverability projects such as IP migrations and custom sending configurations. I've also written some knowledge base items and I've written a few blogs. Uh, I've been a super forum speaker. And Alex, as you had mentioned, I also assist the privacy team. So I'm kind of involved with like the privacy and security aspects of email. And also I'm an active member and participant in MOG. And it's an industry group regarding anti-abuse just in messaging. So it's a really amazing you know, membership that we can leverage to kind of help our customers. Doesn't sound like you're busy at all. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, before we jump into all things deliverability, and I will probably need to go go back and talk about a few of those acronyms that you threw out for people who may not be as familiar with it. But before we dive <laughs> into that, let's uh, let's go back to what Alex and I were talking about. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, being the mother of twins, uh, you know, bike riding. What has been your surprise silver lining um, in over the last year? Right. So the good thing is I can continue to do my outdoor activities. So that's kind of remained constant. And that's really what I think kind of kept me sane through all of this. Just being able to get out on my bike, go out for a run, be outside with my boys has been really amazing. Um, and, you know, my husband is a professional musician and <laughs> He'd always, you know, I would high, I'd high five when I get home and it, it's his turn to kind of, or my turn to be home with, with the boys and he would leave and, you know, go out and play, played several gigs. Um, so it was really nice to like, I know, unfortunately, he kind of lost that with the pandemic and not being able to go out and play live music. But what's been the silver lining for me is just that we can have family dinners in the evening. And I, that's what I really wanted to just be able to sit down and have a family meal. And so he's just been doing kind of FaceTime lessons from home. So that's sort of been like the silver lining for me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That is, that's a very nice silver lining. And so let's, let's keep going with a second part of that. Obviously, we have seen changes at work um, from a, you know, from the pandemic side. Um, so do you want to talk about those those things? What what have you seen happen in your world? Yeah. So with deliverability, um, you know, maybe I can just start off by defining what deliverability is in general, because I feel like, you know, it's really not a word and not something you can find in, a, in the dictionary um, and not even something you can actually technically go to school for, you learn about deliverability, just being in the trenches, just having it there constantly and talking to customers about the issues they're seeing and looking at the threat landscape. Um, but really the, the actual definition of what deliverability is, is the ability to deliver the message to the inbox, right? And what's really kind of funny about that is that you don't actually know where a message lands because that is where the user has the access. We don't, we don't have access to that. We don't want access to that. And of course, the mail receivers don't want us to have access to that, right? So a lot of it is just sort of using deductive reason, reasoning, hypothesizing um, where you think the message is landing, using several different tools and methods to kind of come up with that deliverability rate. So, and not only that is there's no silver bullet to really 
you know, help your deliverability. There's just so many things that you have to look at in order to figure out if there's an issue and how to solve that. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, this is going back to what Alex was saying. I think, you know, it is part art, part science and yeah, there, there are so many factors that go into it. Um, and just to, to go back to what you were saying, you threw out a couple of acronyms and, and not to, not that we have to get into what each of them specifically means, but you were talking about like SPF records and, and yeah. So do you want to just kind of give a high level of what those those type of things are right. I know it's like um, all these acronyms. I feel like I'm dealing with acronyms all the time. Even in privacy, I'm like, oh my gosh, CCPA and CPRA and GDPR. Right. So there, there's so many there. But just to kind of explain email authentication real quick is an email that's traveling through the internet needs to have some type of authentication. Think about us traveling. You know, we we're talking about traveling earlier. Um, you know, you need to have that authentication mechanism to prove who you are. So in an email, um, you really need to have these authentication pieces or mechanisms in place to kind of prove to those mail receivers that you are who you say you are. It's again, like emails traveling through the internet, you need to have your authentication or your email passport. And that's what those mechanisms are for. That is the best definition I, I have say, ever I don't heard. Think I've Thank heard you. That. I love that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, that is so clear. Why has no one ever told me that before? <laughs> yeah, just you know, dealing with with customers that don't have a really high technical background. It's that's a definitely an easy way to kind of get the point across. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> evidently, I fall into that category. <laughs> All right, so so now let's circle back. Um, what changes did you see happen over the last year with the pandemic or since the pandemic hit? Yeah, of course, lots of changes, right? So, you know, the health, education, and like the food industry, which you know includes restaurants and grocery chains and chains and things like that. Um, they had to quickly move to like 100% digital, right? Um, sending out massive amounts of email, ca- causing large spikes. And, um, you know, also with people going remote, not all of the businesses were fully equipped to kind of have their support teams use phones working from home, right? They didn't have all those mechanisms in place to be able to take calls from, from their home. Um, so, you know, email was even more important for those people. Um, you know, just seeing organizations that are just sending so much mail outside of their usual patterns to get the message out about COVID. Um, you know, another, another example is like schools that went fully remote. their reliance on email and COVID-related emails um, really skyrocketed. They need to send out emails about quarantining and remote learning. So that's another industry that I saw a huge spike in just the need to use email. Um, You know, messages were also just being blasted to contacts that haven't received messages in sometimes years. Um, You know, just major email blasts. And that can really harm deliverability because, you know, there's turnover in emails, either people losing their jobs or changing jobs, or they're just not using that email address anymore. So they get turned into spam traps. And then that can result in blocking of emails and those sends. So, you know, there's just like a lot of kind of changes in email and the receiving end of the, of the emails just wasn't fully equipped for that. Um, 
you know, and Alex, you mentioned earlier, just regarding that email, you know, some people say that email's dead. It's really not. I mean, it's a very simple and efficient digital communication tools, how I see it. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, massive amounts of email, um, just everyone having to change to 100% digital to get their messages out. Uh, email is just very important. Totally agree. So with those those big upticks in, you know, sending massive amounts of email or sending to people who you haven't emailed in a really long time, what kind of issues were folks seeing along with that um, in terms of deliverability? Things like being flagged as spam or just straight up cutting cutting those servers off? Like what does that look, what did that look like for some people? So the really interesting thing for me, especially my position as a deliverability analyst and looking at all of the mail on the mail servers, I'm watching mail being sent and received live which is pretty awesome. I really love watching it. It's, it's amazing. I love that Amanda can take like something that seems so dry. And if you could see her face, I know she is so like legitimately excited about this <laughs> stuff. I wish you guys could see her. All right. Sorry, Amanda. Keep going. Uh, um, so I think that's, it's really interesting that not a lot of other ESPs have the ability or that kind of insight that we have at Higher Logic. Um, just that someone's here watching the mail being sent and received and how it's being perceived by mail receivers. Um, so literally after kind of the shutdown happened, I'm, I'm watching the mail and I see a lot of COVID related emails, obviously. And I'm just noticing that not only there's a huge spike in email going out of the mail servers, but also a pushback from the ISPs and that and those mail servers pushing back and throttling the mail saying, you're sending too much mail. They're, there's just, they're getting overwhelmed. And I don't think that they were fully equipped to handle all of this you know, volume. So one thing that, you know, I'll kind of tell a little story about this is pretty cool. Um, we have, there's a local uh, grocery chain in this area that, I was watching their mail on the mail server and I saw it being throttled. So what I did is I went, I, you know, I ran it, went in, into the um, account and I noticed that they were sending COVID related emails to the elderly and people who are at high risk to come into the grocery, you know, grocery store early, like around seven, seven or eight o'clock were like the safe hours for people to go to the grocery store. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, all of this mail is getting throttled. Like I need to help them. So I actually, through that mod channel I was talking to you about, that membership that I'm a part of, reached out to that ISP that was throttling the mail. I spoke to him and said, hey, there's a grocery chain that's trying to get this really important message out. I have to get it through your mail service. Like, can you do anything for me? And so they said, all right, Amanda, I'm going to go ahead and open up the, the mail server. You go ahead and send as much mail as you want to me right now, but I have to close it up very quickly for you because, you know, we don't just do this for anybody. So I went ahead and resent all of the mail very quickly. It got through immediately. Um, and this is all without any, you know, the customer even knowing. Um, is this, this is just amazing that you can be watching this mail and be able to quickly react on that, especially during, um, you know, the pandemic. It was just so important to get that message out. That is amazing customer service too. But yes, I, I love that, the power. I mean, it's really the power of data, which we've talked a lot about on this show, being able to, to track that stuff and, and to be able to react in real time is 
amazing as opposed to looking at stuff after the fact. You you mentioned spam traps a, a few minutes ago. Can you give people a definition of that? I'm I'm just assuming that a lot of people listening to this podcast are not as familiar with uh, deliverability and and this type of thing as uh, as you are. So spam trap addresses. Spam trap addresses are used specifically to capture spammers and def- and find who the spammers are. Um, there's several, several different types of spam trap addresses. Um, one of them would be a typo address. So one of the spam trap addresses that I see is, you know, the, the classic gmail.com where they're forgetting the L. So gmai.com, right? So it's not a valid domain. So there, those addresses are out there typically on, you know, purchase lists or people who are not filling out forms properly, like subscription forms. Um, and what will happen is that will be used as a spam trap address to find someone who's using not using best list practices. Another one would be an abandoned spam trap address. So that would be Let's use AOL, for example, like someone ditches their AOL address, they never log in, they don't check it, um, and they're not using it anymore. What will happen is AOL will, will take that email address back, and I think it's within 90 to 120 days, it'll get turned into a spam trap address to also find spammers. Um, another type is a pristine email uh, spam trap address, where it has never belonged to a human. Those are just out there as kind of honeypots to go on purchase lists to find people who are not using best list practices. So those are like the three type of spam trap, you know, email addresses. Got it. So um, the abandoned ones, I'm guessing in, you know, when we're, we're talking about these COVID emails in the association market, all of a sudden they're you know, they're sending to people they maybe have not reached out to in a couple of years. I'm guessing it's the abandoned ones that become a big problem and things that associations really need to watch out for. Yes, absolutely. Like if you're not seeing any engagement, um, I usually say after three months, they're not opening or clicking. Um, they're just no longer engaged. You don't want those to turn into spam trap addresses. And then once they do, and you hit them, then you can get blocked. Um, so definitely want to remove those from your list. Similar to these issues that folks had seen, you know, maybe last spring or early summer, are you still seeing these types of issues? Are these things still happening or have things sort of calmed down a little bit? You know, I think for the most part, um, you know, things have kind of leveled out and mail receivers are now more equipped to receive more mail. Um, And then just marketers are becoming smarter as to how much mail they're sending, um, you know, better list practices, more targeted emails. So I feel like, you know, it's, it's still, it's still there. Like I still see things, you know, be, I would say be careful when using like pandemic language or vaccine language or other similar language. Um, so for the most part, it has leveled out, but you're still going to see those types of spikes. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if there's, you know, a whole slew of vocabulary that's been added to the like flag list. Um, we used to say things like don't use free in the subject line or don't use, you know, a lot of exclamation points or certain things like all caps, all images, stuff like that. So now there's, you know, 
new words to consider. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, just one of the things I'll point out too is with the threat landscape in general and uh, these sort of bad actors or cyber criminals, they're going to kind of follow the news. So with things like pandemic language, vaccine right now, and, and anything else that's, that's in the news, like current events, um, you just have to be aware. Like one of the other things I saw was like during tax season, people using the word tax or, um, you know, federal refunds and things like that. You just see kind of the spam appliances will look at that with more scrutiny. So you have to be careful. Are there, and now you have my curiosity peaked, Amanda, because those are also the kinds of things that associations are going to be emailing their members, their constituents about, um, because those are timely topics and they're sending out you know, information about current news. So are are there things that they can do? Are there and I hate to say tricks, that's a yeah, you because know, that has a negative connotation. Um, are there techniques that they can apply? Are there things that they can do to ensure better deliverability when, you know, they may be emailing about vaccines or, you know, we we have a lot of uh associations that are in the, you know, the, the science space or the health space, healthcare, that may legitimately be emailing about vaccines right now. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I have to say the, the best kind of advice I would give is to make sure that you're sending to people who want to receive your message, that are engaged in your message. The worst thing that can happen to a marketer is for someone to mark the message as spam. That is the worst. I know some people might say, oh, well, unsubscribes are worse. Well, at least they're, you know, taking themselves off your list. And then they're they're not going to mark you as spam. Um, You really have to be careful of people marking you as spam if they're receiving too many messages or they don't remember who you are or they didn't sign up. Uh, You know, there wasn't a direct consent piece there. If you're sending to people that receive, you know, are engaged in the the messages, um, they want to receive them they're going to reach out to their IT person if they're not getting it. Or they may reach out to the sender and say, hey, I'm not getting your messages. What can we do to to fix this? Um, So if the messages are then wanted and there's, you know, the allow listing and safe senders added uh, to their, their firewalls, then the messages that may have, you know, the word like vaccine or COVID in it might still be able to get through. There's more of a chance of it to get through in that case. So it's really going to be based off of the user. Um, Amanda, I want to talk about the award-winning blog post that you uh, published on the Higher Logic blog last year. And I, I giggled a little bit there with the award-winning because there was just a funny story um, about when we heard that Amanda won this award. We weren't sure if the email that came through was legitimate, which is just like really <laughs> a really funny coincidence. <laughs> yes. I'm like, this is ironic. But um, Amanda put a great uh, post up about, you know, three email deliverability areas to watch. And I feel like these tips were really, of course, relevant last year when folks were noticing maybe some issues, but they they really can apply at any given time of the the year. So Amanda, do you want to talk a little bit about like the three big big things that you want people to watch? All right. So the the three major things that you want to watch out for is your audience, which I kind of talked to you about earlier, just regarding um, making sure you're using best list practices. People have directly opted into your messages. They've done all the proper allow listing and safe senders through their wire uh, firewall. Um, 
So audience is really a big piece to getting your messages through, even if it does contain those, those, you know, COVID or pandemic language, um, get, making sure you get to the people that want to receive the messages is really the most important thing. Um, and then also just regarding your, your volume, just making sure you re- maintain a consistent sending volume, um, with the pandemic and just trying to get the message out, even to people who haven't received the message in sometimes years, um, just the massive amounts of email that are coming through is really just a spike in sending and it's outside of their consistent pattern. So you just want to remain consistent when you're sending. So once you establish uh, a consistent kind of sending frequency, you just want to try to maintain it the best you can. And then the third thing is with the content. Um, Of course, the pandemic language that I brought up, you want to be at least aware of and try to avoid certain things in the subject line. Um, But I think that's that's really the main points. This is so helpful, Amanda. Um, So uh, with the trends that you've seen, are there things that you anticipate that you that you hope that you maybe don't hope um, that will continue kind of as we return to normal? Yeah. So some things, you know, I've actually attended a few digital conferences and it was nice because I noticed there's a lot of organizations doing these online conferences now and they're free. So I attended quite a few of those and I was able to kind of see some trends that I'm noticing. Um, One of them is like super highly or hyper-targeted messages is is one thing. Sending out to smaller audiences, instead of sending out, we'll say, to a list of 100,000 people, you're sending them smaller groups. And also you're controlling the volume of sending. So just that highly targeted messages to the, to the proper audience and with also the content being highly targeted as well. Um, and also, you know, just being very privacy aware. There's a lot of privacy laws coming up stateside. Um, so just having all of those opt-ins and making sure you're, you're sending with consent to those that have provided the, cons- the proper consent um, is really very important. Uh, another thing is that trends that I'm seeing is empathy and what I mean by that is I'm noticing that a lot of organizations are are helping their their um, members by providing either free mental health webinars or they're doing kind of like meditation sessions or they're having kind of group sessions to just like assist people and empathize what they're going through. Um, another thing sort of outside of the pandemic with empathy that I was seeing is for Mother's Day messages where they're, you know, they're saying, if you're not a mother and you don't want to be receiving these messages, let us know. Like some people might be trying to be a mother and they, you know, they're just thinking about the, the end user, the person that's receiving the message, just empathizing with those people. I think it's very important. I love that. I know um, several associations have introduced it these, these really great things like, um, I'm trying to think it, I think it's the California Society of Association Executives does, and I'm going to mess this up. I don't know if it's weekly or monthly, uh, but they have these like couch chats with their CEO, their executive director. And it's these very casual and they may bring in some, you know, an expert, but, but yeah, it is kind of that, that empathy, that, that casualness, inviting people in, um, and, yeah, and I I do love that that this has opened the door to that type of thing, and I that Mother's Day example is is beautiful. 
Um, yeah, we've also this the segmentation. Uh, but another one of our episodes, we talked about like this concept of segment of one, you know, really. And I, you know, that I think is the ideal. Um, but it's one of those things that I encourage people to kind of keep that in mind, that you really do want to treat every person in your audience as an individual and to cater the message to them. Um, because, and, you know, and that goes back to your deliverability. Like if you're getting relevant information to people, your open rate's going to be higher. <laughs> you're not going to be marked as, you know, as spam. Yeah. The whole, the whole world gets brighter and shinier <laughs> that way. I think it's, it comes down to, you know, remembering that this is not just an email address. There's a person on the other end of this, right. And they not only have certain, you know, fit certain demographics, but they have certain interests and, you know, they may be going through certain things. So keeping that in mind can, can go a long way to the members. That's great advice, Alex. Yeah. I like that. So Amanda, this has been eye opening. I'm sure people have learned a lot. If some people may never have heard the word deliverability until today, if they're not in the trenches, like you said, with, with email marketing. But, um, I have to ask you our, our signature question that we ask all of our guests on the show is what's your number one, uh, engagement tactic, your favorite engagement tactic does not have to be deliverability related. For me, I really have to go back to empathy. I just, just like you said, the, you know, just remembering there's a human there reading this email. It's so important to have highly targeted messages, to be understanding what people are going through at the human level. It's just, it, it like gives me chills sometimes. Like there was, there was one association I was watching um, and they were providing this mental health clinic for their members. And it was just free. And they had an expert there. And it's just like, this is amazing. <laughs> this has nothing to do with what, what they're, you know, what their organization's about, but they're doing this for their members. It's just to take that extra step. It's just so amazing to see. And I think that's really what keeps people engaged. It's like, they actually care about me as a human. I'm going to stay with them. Like I, I want to be a part of this organization that really cares about me. And it's super important. I think that that has made all the difference over the last year is seeing who has taken advantage of this as a business opportunity versus, you know, who has really shown a soul, if you will, and, you know, and that they, they truly care about their audience, you know, their, their customers, their members, whomever that might be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Amanda, you have been a wealth of knowledge and uh, and I know we're probably gave people a ton of information to absorb. Um, is there a, a place that they can reach out to you? Can they find you on LinkedIn, Twitter? Where is the best place for them to find you if they have follow up? Yeah, LinkedIn or Twitter, you'll be able to find me. Just search for Amanda DeLuke. It was great to have you. We'd love to have you back sometime. Awesome. I'd love that. That's going to do it for another episode of the Member Engagement Show. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. 